This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Grassroots Marketing on CannabisRia.com. My next guest has created a think tank that designs disaster-proof human environments using biomimicry and low-cost, high-yield protocols. Um, she's a frequent speaker at global events and topics ranging from redesigning to rewilding the built environments to the future of psychedelics to the role of permaculture in preventing natural disasters. What got our guest's attention to Grassroots Marketing is because she wrote and talked about the future of cannabis cultivation, getting sustainable or going up in smoke. And with me right now is the founder of New Climate Culture, Eloisa Lewis. Eloisa, thanks for being on. Thanks so much, Pasco. Uh, my pleasure. So I'm curious about what you say. You make the mention there are impl- environmental implications to cannabis cultivation from water demands and the billions of liters related to indoor grows to farming and public on on public and tribal lands endangering aquatic and life, wildlife with ozone implications. Now, we talked to a number of companies, especially in California, say in Arizona, that or in Florida, where they've done a lot of things where various methods of cultivation, aquaponics, or just what was what water is being used to irrigate. I think of one company that uses Mount Shasta and the snow melt to irrigate their flower, their plants, things like that, and and various other companies that do not want to use organic anything that's pesticides, anything that's just in there besides what control boards cannabis control boards will say you can't have any pesticides there's a lot of policing over that as well so this call to action talk to me about what you're telling about creating climate smart low-cost high-yield alternatives for cannabis cultivation sure so basically you know the cannabis industry just like any industry is full of people who have different needs and beliefs about how um, any given crop should be cultivated. And I think that we're in this moment historically where we have access to a huge array of options of how we cultivate the crop and um, and how we process it, how we distribute it. And um, I'm someone who's a corporate climate consultant. So that means I'm looking at an entire business enterprise um, and really auditing to make sure that we don't have mistakes and, and unnecessary impacts where we can eliminate them. So usually that is where we're cutting out the most costs is by creating higher efficiency and also just literally eliminating costs that might be directly impacting the environment in a in a negative manner. Um, because these things are available. I mean, people make their business every day off of toxic solutions or toxic 
products and sell them as if they're not. So that's what my expertise is really about is getting into a corporation and enterprise and being the person who is able to help educate so that um, business owners can and farmers can make better decisions about their supply chain. Um, so that looks like you know, this is a this is a detailed process and project. And we start by looking at things like, yeah, where are you sourcing your water from? Because harvesting rainwater is going to be the most um, sustainable thing to do. And then making sure that you're putting that rainwater back into the ground is again, the optimal system. Cause I'm, I'm someone who's interested in optimizing sustainability. I don't want to just do it uh, 50% of the way or 80% of the way. My expertise as a world-class consultant is to look at a hundred percent of the system and uh, make sure that there aren't any problems in any part of it, according to what current technology we have available to us today. So um, this might sound uh, upsetting or jarring for some people who are currently invested in bad practices or old practices, but that's simply because we're at the nexus of a change in industry and kind of an industrial revolution that's recognizing what sustainability is and um, cutting out the greenwashing from that, from that, those pop culture practices that are, are being utilized. So, um, right. So, oh, um, so well, just a couple of things yeah. real quick, just to unpack. Please. So for examples of those that are practicing the best possible cannabis sustainability in the current environment we have, I'm taking a story from modern farmer where they're talking to someone that is a farmer that has an off grid biodynamic cannabis farm. And, what he did to put sustainability into the facet of the company was powering the greenhouse with on-site solar panels, natural pest control instead of synthetics. Products are sold in recyclable, 99% free, plastic-free packaging. But on top of that, there has been there are there are people that can do what they can do on their own to foster sustainability. But there's also been a lack of research on sustainability because of the federal legal acts uh, status. So there's an array of environmental impacts, and you mentioned one of those being water. And within this same greenhouse, cannabis is water intensive. You made that point very clear. And each plant requires between five and six gallons of water per day, twice of that of other commodity crops. And irrigated agriculture in California already accounts for 70 to 80% of all water consumption. In a market that they don't have that much water to work with anyway, they have issues with restrictions. They don't have that much rainfall. You know, there's there's issues with that where because of the environment that they're given, it's very arid, not very, not a lot of moisture. What do you say to those that are considering the climates you're in and what they're able to go and do to foster sustainability and their grows? Well, when it comes to water, again, um, the most important thing actually is growing outdoors. So not only are we collecting the rainwater, which is only step one of a system because all systems are circular. So that means they have a life cycle. They have many steps in them. So, okay, sourcing your water from a sustainable, uh, again, source is important, but then where you're putting the water is doubly important. So growing outdoors allows us to refill our aquifers and refill our groundwater, replenish our groundwater, which will increase biodiversity in our region. And that is what is going to draw more water into the region because trees um, 
create rain, not the other way around. So when you have more plants and more greenery in your ecosystem, in your bioregion that you're cultivating, and your literally trees, cannabis trees, um, outdoors are going to, through the process of physics, call water into that region and create a cooler microclimate. So this is really uh, about restoring our relationship with nature. And, you know, like you said, maybe an off-grid farmer outdoors is contributing to that because they're able to restore that relationship with the plant and, uh, and the ecosystem so that you're going to do that very thing. You're going to, sequ- you're going to sequester carbon back into the soil at the highest degree of efficiency. Cause you're not going to be able to do that in an indoor grow operation. You're not going to be sequestering carbon uh, by the scale that we need to for this planet indoors. And um, that's simply because the technology for that is in the soil and you're not going to be able to, to have, you know, it's just by nature of being indoors or aquaponic or anything like that, you are reducing the system instead of enhancing it. Um, so I know that uh, recently I, I was interviewed by a group called Boulder Weekly about this, and mm-hmm. I'm pulling up the report in front of me now because it's an interesting statistic. Um, yeah, cannabis requires more water than any other commodity crop is what right. they found in Colorado. And so for that reason, we should be concerned, again, where is the water going and how is it recycling? Because if it's going down the drain and back to the municipality where you're buying it from usually, so you're buying the water from the city that's mismanaging the water, and then you're returning it to the city that's mismanaging the water instead of returning the soil, sorry, returning the water into the soil and the soil and the earth and the groundwater, the aquifers beneath our feet, that's the safest place for the ecosystem and for humans to place the water after it's been used for irrigation. Um, Of course, wetter soils are also going to prevent against wildfires and other natural disasters. Now, what about the option of where, and the same farmer, I'm thinking of another story. What they did was built out two wells drawing from an underground aquifer. Is that an option that a lot of places like these that are outsourcing too much water, if they were able to go ahead and build wells to draw from? If you're going to replenish the wells, yes, but part of the huge agricultural failure of California is farmers digging wells and then mis- then basically again mismanaging the water. The water is running off and not replenishing the ground the ground directly beneath their feet because they're not managing the soil correctly. So it's it's really not the solutions are maybe not as simple as people would like them to be because it's again it's about a life cycle and a whole system design. So I can't say um without looking at the site and talking to the specific farmers oh yeah it's fine to just you know make a well and get the water from beneath your feet it's much more sustainable in every single case what i can say is collecting the rainwater from the sky instead of digging into the ground that is going to be safer 10 out of 10 times so if you're looking for something that applies to everyone it's rainwater if you're looking for something that applies to some people it's going to be wells now among the alternatives we've already talked about, growing outdoors instead of indoors, harvesting rainwater for cultivation and extraction, and reducing impact on groundwater supply. The other thing you brought up here is polyculturalizing. Local soils with allies like fungi, radish, strawberry, chickens, rabbits, fruit trees, as a few examples. And farming sustainably, the ecosystem around these industries would thrive with renewable resources, a detox environment, and food forest abundance for biodiversity. So you're talking about building other 
having other grows around the plants, not anything like a rotation of plants where some agri- yeah. some farmers will just take the crops and for whatever season it is, they'll rotate the crops with something else they're going to grow. Well, yeah, we found um, through research and specifically the research that I'm quoting here is with the group Jadam and KNF out of Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, they have proven that tilling the soil is le- less effective and ineffective, again, for sequestering carbon, creating the most resilient genetics and highest quality soils. The higher quality of the soil, that's why we need the polyculture, because the polyculture is going to create a more biodiverse, rich soil, including, you know, what decomposes in a cover crop. So a cover crop is different than a crop rotation. Um, So when we're enhancing the soil, that is what's going to sequester the most carbon, but also create the most um, pesticide resistant. There's natural ways to create resistance to pesticide, again, through just creating a, a highly living immune probiotic, immune boosting probiotic soil. A soil is a living thing that needs to eat itself. So that's what we're doing when we're creating a polyculture. We're creating food for the soil, um, just like you don't want to necessarily eat one thing for the rest of your life. You don't want to just eat eggs for the rest of your life. You want to eat eggs and vegetable and meat and uh, you know, grains and different. You want to have a diverse diet so you can absorb all these different nutrients since all the different nutrients and minerals are going to function um, and provide different to provide different functional aspects for your organs. It's like the same thing with the soil. We need to create a super probiotic functional soil in order to enhance our medicine being the cannabis or our material being the, the hemp cannabis. And, uh, and um, we're good in terms of cutting costs. So you can create, you're going to cut costs because long-term you're not going to have to buy fertilizer anymore because your, your system's going to fertilize itself very quickly. Um, and then your pesticides are also going to be able to be sourced and created locally using these Jadam and KNF techniques. And um, you're not going to have to order fertil- uh, fertilizers or pesticides off of Amazon or whatever website anymore. And they're not going to transport reducing releasing more carbon into the atmosphere as they transport because you're going to be able to go to your home depot get some buckets from the home depot and start mixing your own cultures from very simple ingredients that you can source locally and then of course you can create an income stream because you can sell that stuff to local farmers across any farming industry so if you're making local indigenous excuse me um fertilizer and pesticide organic pesticide then now you've just created a micro business alongside your cannabis business where you can supply that to people growing lettuce or mangoes or what have you, according to your region, uh, immediately, or even just local gardeners. Now you're a supply for anyone who has a local permaculture garden or backyard garden or community garden, and they can come and learn how to make that stuff from you in a workshop, or they can buy it directly from you if you have the capacity to produce it. For, you know, beyond just your own farm. And that's really, again, how we're going to connect and cause a shift across the agricultural industry. Really, an, an agricultural revolution relies on people in their own bioregion taking up these new techniques and then sharing it with the immediate community as much as possible. Now, one of the other points you made that really caught my eye was talking about using glass packaging, fungi-based, fungi-based, or plant-based compostable packaging instead of anything plastic. So talk to me about the advantages there about trying to go and go for something much more compostable, recyclable. Talk to me about that. 
Um, yeah, we're just looking again. Everything has a life. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Find easy ways to store your outdoor tools and accessories at Menards. Suncast provides high quality and easy to assemble storage. Suncast storage sheds are the perfect solution for organizing and protecting your outdoor tools and equipment. Plus, their all-weather construction is low maintenance. Explore all our outdoor storage options in-store and on Menards.com. And check out more of our great deals going on now at Menards. Save big money at Menards. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com try. Go to shopify.com try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com try. Cycle. And so we want things to... Um, transform quickly back into the environment in a non-toxic manner. Uh, I, plastic, we know, releases toxins into our soil, which then in turn will absorb into the crops that we're consuming and wearing and using as materials, whether that's as insulation in our house or clothing on our bodies or vegetables in our garden. So in order to remediate all the toxic uh, chemicals that we've combined and created and dispersed across the planet, we have to stop sourcing them because as long as we're sourcing plastic producers will continue to make it because that's the nature of capitalism where there's demand there's supply so that's the problem is that like you know we're still we're, we're addicted to plastic and um we need to transition away from it again we've used it it's been useful and now we need to outgrow it because it's we've found it's obsolete um and again toxic so really there's all these other micro businesses like maybe if you do have a cannabis business and you have the ability to create a mushroom business on the side then you could create can of uh, you could create um can of containers with your mushroom business and you're already in the cannabis industry and so you can uh scale that company right up and start serving the cannabis community with sterile and, um, you know, whatever requirement government requirements necessary, child proof containers, um, growing mycelium or growing algae or growing or using glass again, because right. glass and, and recycled metals. Um, so all of these things are for the purpose of when that object decays, because it's going to end up somewhere someday, whether that's in a landfill or underneath mm -hmm. your house or wherever it ends up or in the ocean, 
um, it's going to decay and decompose and become, it's going to transform. And we need to make the least toxic mode for these containers and these packaging in the distribution of our agricultural goods for the purpose of um, when I receive, you know, every day I go to the grocery store, I go to the, the, I'm here in Quebec, we have this place called SQDC, that's where you buy cannabis, the government owns mm -hmm. the, the cannabis industry. So you go to a, a government owned shop, and you buy cannabis there. And when right. I go, uh, it's going to come in a plastic container. So they do have a recycling program. But regardless, it's a toxic plastic is toxic at every stage of extraction to recycling. There's just no way around it. You're going to be releasing well, toxins into the air or water. Or well, that was one of the issues with in the government when they had uh, Health Canada and the, and the control board there about the issues where the limitations of packaging, branding, they were set to a certain list of standards that they had to go and use. And that part of it was the plastic. There wasn't much wiggle room around it. Exactly. I mean, if, if our governments are demanding us to use plastic, then our governments are demanding us to poison ourselves. So right. that's really the problem. Like if, if the, if somebody claims, whether that's a government, a corporation or uh, your neighbor, if somebody is claiming, oh, the only, only way we can possibly do this, this medicine or this product or whatever is via plastic. I simply believe that's a lack of imagination and that's a lie. Right. Um, it's just, it, it doesn't make any sense that the only solution to our problems would be, uh, would involve poisoning ourselves. <laughs> now, Eloisa, that's one of the things that whenever we get federal legalization here, hopefully as just oversight and nothing more in the U.S., three to five years down the line. Other states might uh, have not been given too much issues and guidance on that. From I mean, I haven't really checked too much about sustainability standards when it comes mm -hmm. to what states ask for. Everything's been more about social equity, more about you know, just finding uh, getting startups to get up off the ground more than there is the compliance issues when it comes to cultivation. Right. I'm always a proponent when it comes to compliance that, you know, a lot of people have been talking and carrying the flag for good manufacturing practices, which is stated amongst, among other major sectors, consumer packaged goods and the like, which I agree is the this, this course of action. Might be the most paperwork, might be the most thing to be done, but that's where I would go when it comes to compliance. Now, the government being able to intervene and say, oh, we're going to use plastic. Now, let's talk about the corporations, because there's a story from Canatech today I took about this, where they said, well, when it comes to sustainability, to meet the rising, man, uh, the rising demand of sustainability, efficient cultivation methods are crucial. And they're talking about automation or AI-powered monitoring systems, hydroponic setups, and precision nutrient delivery, all essential components of these innovative systems. So hmm. throw AI as a solution. What do you think? I think that I the first thing that comes to mind is who does that benefit? Because it seems like that's going to benefit the people who are selling the equipment for the aquaponics, oh, yeah. the AI, the most. Yes, yes, and yes. so that is my concern is that, uh, first of all, AI and um, software technology, internet technology, like all everything that relies on basically modern computing is also super energy and water intensive. So I think that these industries are invested in their own life and their own longevity, and they will say almost anything to protect themselves and their, their um, supremacy in the marketplace. So for me, 
Uh, I definitely know that the lowest cost and the highest yield and the best thing for the genetics is to go back to a simpler mode where you have lower maintenance systems. If it's a high maintenance system requiring tons of electricity, tons of water, tons of equipment, mm -hmm. that equipment eventually breaks down over time and what you're going to go buy again more from the same suppliers. And so that's what their industry is built around is around obsolescence. So the most sustainable practices, I mean, we look at groups growing outdoor cannabis across ancient civilizations and the Middle East and India and Africa. And um, they're the ones who have been preserving the genetics and enhancing the genetics for the longest, the people who have been working with the most resilient plants and um, some of the most potent medicines, and they have never needed to rely on AI or aquaponics or right. anything like that. So I think that's part of a narrative that's really dangerous and misleading. Whatever they can do to get rid of the human component. And, and by the way, Hollywood right now, as we record, is still in the middle of an actors and writers strike where AI is one of the major culprits right now that's going to hamper their industry for the future. Same thing can be happening here in this industry as well. So the website for you is newclimateculture.com. For those that go to the website, uh, give a little bit of background, if you can, on what you provide in terms of consulting and, and other I issues and what people can do to get involved. Absolutely. So um, I do want to mention that I am working on policy with different uh, groups that are uh, working out of DC and, and across the country with psychedelic medicines. So we mm -hmm. are working to, to do that. And uh, I'm partnered with a USDA certified uh, hemp grower. So we've, we're really, we're really paying attention to what these compliances are mean and, and improving them. And then um, beyond that, when you work with my company, so I can provide educational and speaking services for your community, um, all the way to auditing and design consulting so that we can really roll up our sleeves and get into the details of what can be enhanced in your business to reduce costs and redirect your investments into safer securities for the planet. Um, and we have... So we have really a sliding scale of a very low cost options for people who just need uh, who kind of people who might not have the resources, but they have the the commitment. So I can give them the educational tools and set them off in the right direction so that they can work with their own community to do the most possible with the, the least uh, amount of information and amount of help all the way to, you know, I'm here, I'm ready to project manage land. I would love to meet some investors who want to start up projects with me and my team because like I said, we're ready to go. I don't have the capital at this moment to buy land and start up farms and, and create plastic alternatives for the Canna community, but I would know how to do it. So we're, we're looking for help and we're looking for clients in every spectrum, whether it's just truly educational and speaking and or even uh, a, con a remote consulting for a daily fee, um, all the way to... <laughs> trying to share proposals with investors right now live you know we're seeking investors on, on linkedin and through these uh media outreaches to find who our partners are going to be so that we can make these shifts because i'm i'm very serious about it this is what my life is devoted to it's what my passion hobby is and especially in the cannabis industry because we have so much potential to shift culture in not only the agricultural community, but in the consumer community in general and, and the culture and the culture of the United States and the culture of our different regions, because um, this is cannabis is not just a medicinal psychoactive or 
um, healing plant for the body, but it's a healing plant for the environment, as I've said, um, because it's going to help be increased biodiversity when it's farmed outdoors correctly. And it's also going to remediate the, the air, the soil and the water. And furthermore, it's a sustainable resource material for clothing, for any, any cloth, any, any type of cloth, like a, a rug or a furniture or a clothing, anything that requires uh, a natural sustainable material like that can be, can be cultivated with hemp as well as uh, it's a food. You know, we all know how healthy that that hemp seeds and hemp is to eat. And it's also a material for industrial material for rope and mm -hmm. for packaging and for so much else that we can have domestically so that we're not, uh, yeah, just continuing to extract and continue on with these cycles that really just poison ourselves. It's really just kind of suicidal tendencies that we have in, in the current marketplace. And it's because those suicidal tendencies are cheap and sell well and they're dominant in the cultural narrative but rewriting the cultural narrative will require an investment especially if people believe in uh industry and capitalism and they want that to succeed and thrive then what we have to do is redirect our investments and i don't think that uh it's difficult and i do think i i'm here people planet profit so profit is the goal uh, like I said, it's going to cut costs. It's going to be the best thing for the environment. And long term, you will outperform your competitors across every medium and uh, measure. And so there's just nothing better than providing your clients with something that actually you can stand behind um, and say with certainty, this is the best thing that's going on uh, in the market. And it's it's scientifically proven and it's it's simple. It's almost common sense once you really test the you can do very simple tests on the soil and the water and the air and you see the improvement not only that it's getting hotter and and dang it's pretty hot in california and pretty hot in florida right. we need to make sure that we are cooling down our ecosystems <laughs> and no matter how many teslas you got no matter how many solar panels you got no matter how many wind uh farms you got nothing is going to outperform biology itself not not a single thing that humans can invent will right. outperform a robust ecosystem there we go. Well, well said. We're going to leave it there. Uh, Luis Lewis with newclimateculture.com. I really appreciate you taking time out to talk to us and uh, your founder of New Climate Culture, again, newclimateculture.com. Uh, I noticed that one of the events you're going to be speaking at is Disaster Expo Miami coming up next year. And can you, uh, I know you do a lot of us speaking on other engagements, but for those that might want to get a chance to connect with you on the road at a trade show, can you tell us what your current schedule is coming up for the rest of the year? Absolutely. So I do have a, uh, I, I have two events in September right now, and I haven't thought beyond that. Sorry, everyone. It's been a busy year. Um, I have an event here in Canada that's called the Cloud Nine Festival in Ontario. So you can catch me at the Cloud Nine Festival. It's a sustainable uh, regenerative farm. It's going to be a beautiful musical event, and I'm going to have a workshop as well as I'll be hosting a whole space there the entire time so people can come up and Q&A with me um, during any time of the festival that they need. And then I'm also going to be at the Oakland Psychedelic Conference September 16th and 17th in California and that'll nice. be really exciting I'm also going to be workshopping there and we are definitely here to just uh talk about cannabis and my mushrooms and all the different plants everything as I uh, you know everything associated with the psychedelic community as we make sure that we protect the community 
the industry and we farm responsibly. We definitely got to talk again sometime about psychedelics. There's a lot we could go into there, but onto a different program that we host here on the network. But anyway, founder and lead designer of New Climate Culture, newclimateculture.com. Eloise Lewis, thank you for being on. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much, Pasco. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.